Well, welcome to another episode of our deep dive where we look at the passage from the weekend, take a deeper look. Uh, today, I am joined by Pastor Terry and Pastor Ben as we continue to talk Galatians chapter five. How are you guys doing today? We're in chapter five, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we're getting there. There Pastor. we go. And we don't have to say circumcision, so that's a good, it's a good well, day. Well, we didn't have dive. to say circumcision, and now... <laughs> ben, I don't know if you uh, tuned in last week. We, we said that word a lot okay. because it's in the passage a lot. And uh, anyway, we had some laughs um, mm. as well. So where we are in Galatians chapter 5, this is the, the fruit of the Spirit passage. Yeah. Uh, we're getting really into um, very clear, almost more explicit uh, application. And obviously, all good theology should involve life change, right? right? Like true theology, uh, correct theology should result in correct living. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always do that because it's really easy to kind of just stay up in our heads to stay in this like theoretical um, conceptual place. But we're getting to a place in Galatians where we can't do that. And right. uh, that's really helpful. Yeah. So Galatians chapter five, uh, verse 16, I'm just going to dive in and we've sure. got a few questions we want to uh, hit on later in this episode. We have a new, oh, hit the microphone. Uh, we have a new section we want to call Ask the Pastor. We got a question in uh, over the weekend that we want to respond to a little bit. Um, as you're listening, if you ever have any questions, uh, it doesn't have to even be the passage that we're talking about, but you just have questions that you want uh, to hear from a pastor, we're going to start including this whenever we get questions. And so you can email podcasts at calvary.church uh, to submit your question or Um, As always, throw it in the the chat or throw it in the comment section below. Um, So we'll get there in a minute. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I, so Paul, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So I want to just kind of stop here. Um, he's he's mentioned the Spirit several times uh, in verse 16, walk by the Spirit. There's some kind of uh, wordplay a little bit in this passage. I think we see it in, in English because of the way mm-hmm. some of those words are translated. Um, but what I wanted to, to start by asking, what's in scope when he says walk by the Spirit? Well, he's... You know, talking about the law, that's been kind of the, how do we live? What, what is the motivation, the modus operandi of living? So he's writing because people have said, you have to follow by the law, which as you know, we've talked about are these restraints. It's a guardian to show us how to live, what sin is, how to protect ourselves, stop from sinning. So there's this outward control of the law on us, kind of working outward in. And Paul's saying, you can try to live like that, but it's not gonna do any good or you can live by the Spirit, which is what Jesus came to do, to fill us with this Holy Spirit, that the spiritual part of ourself is alive. So now we get to live inside out, Mm -hmm. so that we're changed from the inside. The law doesn't change the inside. It makes the outside look okay. But God's Spirit came into us to change us from the inside, and then that should have outward ramifications. Yeah, I mean, for one of the, I mean, that's how I saw it too. For one of the first times, it's now, here you don't have to do this law thing. Here's a new way of living. If you have the Spirit in you, now live out mm-hmm. of that. Let the Spirit guide you and lead you. And so, it. I mean, I thought of it as, yeah, the law's there. It's going to guide. It's going to tell us what to do. But um, 
but here's here's a spirit now. Let's please the spirit. Let's worship the spirit. Let's um, go to follow the spirit. Let the spirit guide us. There's a note that I had read here in verse 16. Um, Walk by the spirit implies both direction and empowerment, right? So there's this, this image of the spirit as a guide, as a leader, but also the one who empowers the, the way mm-hmm. of living that kind of is in, in scope here. Um, but even the word uh, for walk, right, it comes from the, the peripateo, which is is a really cool word because it's, it's literally – uh, to walk, but often it gets translated, at least in terms of the idea of is is to live, right? So right, there's this like right. equation between living and a matter or a manner of of walking. Well, I think in that culture, walking was living, mm. because that's how you you lived. Everything was walk. It, you know, you don't. We drive everywhere, go everywhere. Everything was a walk. Come with me. Be mm. with me. And. You, you know, you have the picture of um, Abraham in the Old Testament walking with God, is particularly says that, you know, and if you go on a journey, you'd walk with someone and you'd live life for that journey. It would take a while. You'd spend your time during the day Even walking. Adam going back to the garden, right? Going for yeah. walking and, you know, walking yeah. the, the coolness of the day yeah. with, with the Lord. So for us, it would be drive, drive with the spirit. <laughs> Sorry, that's my dad, Jerry. There you go. A long commute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, too, the, the verse that keeps coming to my mind with this is uh, when Paul says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And I just think, you know, this there is this, you know, over this theme of grace that's in this whole book. And it just is this, we're going to try, but we have this grace. And he who began something in us is going to walk with us and it's going to take us to the very end and make sure that it gets completed in, inside of us. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Um. Yeah, and I think as we said this weekend, the emphasis is not, because this is often our emphasis, I've got to stop doing what I'm doing so that the Spirit can be mm-hmm. in me. And Paul, he doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. He says, you walk with the Spirit, you focus on that relationship, you focus on Christ and the fruit of that, and then watch how it it automatically deals with some of the other things. It, it's always life. there. He's it's always a, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He's like always that. there. He's available. Yeah. And we like, I've got to mortify the flesh. I got right. to do something. That's I've got to, you know. And I think there's we could do a whole message on, you know, self control. The fruit of the spirit is mm-hmm. self control. The fruit of the spirit is self control. The work of the flesh is really self-discipline. I just got to discipline myself. Mm-hmm. And that self-discipline doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. is self-control in our life. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Whenever the Spirit, especially as Paul writes about the Spirit, uh, shows up uh, in the New Testament, I, I have a lot of questions. Um, and I don't know if that's because of you know living in a Western culture, the a place of, you know, desiring or wanting certainty um, or evidence or whatever, but anything that feels kind of mystical is, is kind of eerie or at least confusing to me. I was going to ask you guys, because um, you guys have been at this longer than I have, what, has there been a time where you can, you know, attest to and say, hey, listen, this, is the, this was the spirit working in me or this was the spirit guiding me? Um, and I know, Ben, you have, you come mm-hmm. from a, a different yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. tradition, I guess, yeah. um, where maybe there's been a, a, a larger emphasis on the work of the Spirit, um, yeah. because there hasn't, it's not always something we emphasize, because I think there's, it, there's a lack of clarity yeah. around 
him but yeah. i don't know because you guys yeah either one of you yeah just share. i mean um yeah we're, i mean where i come from the spirit is often talked about and um you know i mean it's this whole idea after jesus left he gave us the holy spirit and so there's this guidance there's um involvement in our life um i do agree with you it's it's hard what is the spirit what is not and people can get really tripped up over mm-hmm. over that and it can be very confusing but i love the analogy that he gives of of the fruit the, it's it's fruit and you think about a piece of fruit or or anything that can grow and it's a gradual growth and I think that's that could be the that's the evidence of mm-hmm. the spirit as you see something go from maybe a seed and it starts to grow and it starts to mature and you can see there's something that's happening. And so I don't know, when I think about the spirit, I think about that's probably the safest way for us to to look at it is mm-hmm. uh, we look back and we say, Oh, I don't struggle with anger as much as I used to. I'm able to forgive where before I wasn't able to. That's the work of the spirit. Well, I think that's been maybe why, I mean, Paul, he gives a list of fruits of the spirit here. Maybe that's why um, we struggle with this because a lot of the examples we even have in scripture are after the fact where you can look back and see, hey, God worked in this way or the spirit was working and guiding me. But when I also, you know, in verse 16, walk by the spirit, that's a a present active thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it, I don't know, there, there is this idea that I need to be aware of how the Spirit is leading and guiding and prompting me in the moment. And I think that's where I, I mean, I spend time praying. Um, there's times whenever I guess I, I have a certain feeling where I feel like the Spirit might be convicting me to, to do something, but even then that's not always clear in the moment. So I guess, yeah, Terry, what, what about Yeah, you? I think it's, you know, as walk, it's a relational thing. It's just learning to walk. I think, you know, Paul says you can even have a relationship with rules and regulations in the law that you're like, okay, today I've got to do this and this and this and this and this. Or I can get up and say, hey, God, would you walk with me? I want to be sensitive to your spirit. Would you lead? That? Help me acknowledge. I think part of it is just acknowledging that you are with me and you're there. And I, I think the same thing. Sometimes you don't realize it's the spirit until you go, man, I wouldn't have naturally said that, mm-hmm. but but somehow God led me to say that. Or I, I really felt like I was going to go here. I love, you know, we're talking about faith stories the other week and uh, talking with someone and, and they're like, they were trying this, you know, how do I walk more by the spirit? And they're saying, you know, I'm just trying to be more aware. What does God have? And they, they, they were walking in the grocery store and they really felt prompted to talk to someone in the soup aisle. Like, and they're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do that? And they kind of engaged the person in the conversation. And 45 minutes later, hmm. like they realized, okay, yeah, that was God hmm. telling me to do something because I got to share and minister to this person who really needed someone to, hmm. to talk to, even though it was the soup aisle. Um, so I think sometimes we look for big power encounters and, and God does that. I know there's moments where God does that, but it's God leading, directing, prompting me. What am I going to do? How do I pray? Sometimes, I, like honestly, I'll meet with someone and like I don't even know how to pray or what to say to them. And I'm one ear listening to them and another ear, you know, listening to the Holy Spirit. God, would you give me something? Give me a verse, mm-hmm. something, and trusting what kind of comes into your mind out of that partnership yeah, yeah. is what God has for that person. That's good. Yeah, it's hard, right? It's it is hard because we, and I think this is why so often in Scripture we do get lists of things because we can at least say, walking by the Spirit or living by the Spirit should result in 
this, but then we get tripped up because then we make the, the this, the result, the fruit, the thing that we're seeking after, and then sometimes maybe closing ourselves off to what the Spirit actually right. is wanting to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, in verse 17, he kind of contrasts walking by the Spirit with, you know, essentially just satisfying or gratifying the desires of the flesh. Uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Is the desires of the flesh, is this, like, is it synonymous to say our sinful nature or what's going on? Because I don't think it's just bodily cravings that he's talking about. And Right, right. It's, yeah, I think he's going back, you know, sometimes you look, there's a paragraph separations that the English translations have. I think probably, and, and we probably should have put verses 13 to... 15 in here. Paul, I think he's still talking about this legalism versus license. Uh And this is the whole challenge of, you know, I think the people in Galatia would say, well, wait a minute, Paul, if we don't have the Old Testament to follow, then we're just going to go do what we want. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you you don't need that. The power of Christ, this is the transformation uh, is in us to do that. So I do think there, you know, Paul talks about it in Romans 8, there's this inner battle between mm-hmm. what we want, what we naturally want, what the patterns and the ways that we've conformed to the world in the past want, versus to what the Holy Spirit is whispering and desiring mm-hmm. in us. And sometimes it's what the world says and what media says and everything else, they are at odds. Some of the commentaries I read talked about this as, you, if you you have the spirit, you you want to be led by the spirit. Like if you have yeah. it, that's what you that's what you desire. You have a new like life. Like that's the new natural. Yeah. That's thing. the new natural. But then our natures get obviously get in the way, and it's hard not. I, it's hard for me. The analogy that I think of is the you know the cartoon when there's the there's yeah. the devil and the, <laughs> there's the angel. Yeah, the angel right. on I both mean sides. that's what I picture is this. Do this. <laughs> no d- no yeah. don't do that. No do this. No yeah. d- don't do that. And um, that's kind of the the picture that I see that's that's going on. Well, I think that's the picture because that's what we experience many Mm -hmm. times, you know, is that we feel that I want to do this, but I want to do that. And yeah, we battle that. Yeah. Well, verse 19, uh, Paul gives us a, a list Mm -hmm. of, uh, vices, if you will, a list of things that would be descriptive of what it would look like to be gratifying the desires of the flesh. And he says, uh, he lists sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I, as I was reading this morning and just kind of making notes, some of these things don't feel like the others. Like some of these seem to be like, well, yeah, orgies, not good, right? Like <laughs> get that one. Um, but then he compares it with strife and jealousy and division, dissension, things that to me are, some of them are maybe more inward. They're not as outward. They're not as obvious but also if I'm making a list, like, like they don't all stack up. So I guess like, well, what's he doing here? Yeah, there, do, there is some kind of categorizing or order. I think the first three are really personal individual. It's the, the, the own desires that we have, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, that's really individual. Like what goes on, you know, obviously it can have outward activity mm-hmm. when it goes on. Idolatry and sorcery are more how we deal with religion right, how we see our faith. So it's a distortion of 
that the passions and the love that God has given us, then a distortion of what faith is meant to be. Then he does give this long list of relational, mm-hmm. stri- you know, conflicts and, and problems that have to do with problems relationally have. And then, then he does, and uh, you know, I would say it's probably the, the way that they are is our relationship with substances. The, mm. the big group is our relationship with people, and then he ends with kind of our relationship mm-hmm. with substances, drunkenness, orgies, the, the mm. like, and then he kind of, <laughs> and whatever. And, and everything whatever. else. And, and everything else. else. Uh, <laughs> that's there. But I think he does kind of talk about different areas of our life. How do we relate to ourselves? We walk in the flesh, how we relate to, to, to God and religion and around us, how we relate to others. Yeah. And then stuff in our, in, in our life. And you could probably put envy, you know, is envy in the, the context of relationships or is envy in the context of our relationship with stuff? That's really helpful. Uh, that's just, that's that's really helpful. I just uh, I I read lists like this, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> thing, 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 uh, thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Or I'm glad I don't have to preach this. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't want to say the word orgy well, for I everybody. That, <laughs> <laughs> well, no circumcision. You'd be surprised week, what but... I hear in the pastor's office. I will say, uh, you know, well, these things are more real than what we want. Sure. You know, we want to think we live in a nice little America. Sure. Nobody. It's yeah, like, sure. gosh, these are. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, do, I mean, I do think that's what they are. These categories for our lives, so they're not they're not just these. They are specifics, but they kind of gen- are generally speaking for these different categories. But I do love how, and there's other times in the Bible and New Testament, what Paul does is where he he takes um, a list of 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 things sins like that, and then he compares it to the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And it is this: what what do you want for your life? Yeah. Do you yeah. do you want envy, strife? Do you want joy? Do you want kindness? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like everybody's going to want to say, "I want, I want, yeah. joy, I want kindness, I want love." That's what I want for my life, and it is this kind of put, putting putting them out there so that you can yeah. see what yeah. what do you want to strive for, what do you want to walk yeah. towards. Yeah, and I do think that yeah, that, that's that's a good point, Ben. And I do think Paul. I mean, he's a master, right? He's a master at, at arguments and writing. And like, I think even he sometimes will create lists and he'll put things that you would expect to see in the list, mm-hmm. and then he'll throw in like one or two yeah. things. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, wait, yeah. what? You're Back you're up. equating <laughs> jealousy and orgy. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. Um, Well, at the end of this passage, uh, verse 25, he comes back. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So here we have, if we live by the Spirit, and he doesn't use the same word as he started with, the peripateo. He's using Mm -hmm. um, uh, zao, which is more more of a literal life to live. Um, And then let us keep in step with the Spirit, which in ESV, a previous translation of the ESV, uh, actually used translated it, let us walk with the Spirit. And so there's this kind of this idea, the word that he uses here, that it's it's more a, instead of like as you walk and as you go, it's a walk in a manner where you're like in line following a leader. And so, I don't know, I just, yeah. I found that really um, helpful. I don't know if either of you guys had, had looked at any of these, either of these verses um, Yeah, I mean, anymore. I think again, Paul, you know, verse 16, if you bite and devour one another, watch out, you're not consumed. You know, again, mm-hmm. he's talking relationally in the church. What was happening, there were these divisions because of these false teachers that were in the church. And so I think he's addressing that again. Look. If we're walking with the Holy Spirit, we're we're not going to be divide, div, divisive. We're going to be un, you know able to work through these things and 
you know, that God is going to be at work. And then, then actually next week we'll look at, you know, what happens if people mess up? What, what is there? Paul talks about that. But I do think there's something lived by this. I, lo- I do love the phrase, keep in step, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that's just a good challenge to walk. But keep in step, where is God working? Where is he moving? Where is his spirit leading? What is he whispering us to do? And let's, yeah, keep yeah. up. You know, I, I think you're right that he's, you know, he's leading and he's doing that, but we need to kind of keep up and yeah. watch that. There's a song that my kids listen to. It's an old uh, Steve Green song where he he's going through the fruits of the spirit but the whole chorus is if we live by the spirit we will keep in step and he's got this like marching band that goes along yeah. with it and i just think oh that's a fantastic yeah. image for for this because you have somebody who's leading you have you know the the drummer who's you know keeping a cadence and everyone has a part to play but is still being directed and led in a, in a way that's um, sermon illustration good. bring a marching band yeah in. there you go yeah maybe all right well we have I don't know, seven, eight minutes uh, to hit. So ask the pastor. I'm going to try to come up with like a catchy little jingle that we can, you know, drop in. It's um, Probably won't have it this week, but uh, stay tuned. So Donald M., he, he emailed in this week, says this, I've always wondered regarding the day of the Lord. Revelation 1-7, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Since the new covenant lays the piercing of Jesus unequivocally on the very Jewish leaders and those who shouted, crucify him, what are the meaning and implications of this scripture? Enjoyed Pastor's teaching, and we'll be back Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. Uh, it's not all on this answer. Yes. So, Donald, thank you yeah, for uh, thank you for your question, uh, Terry. Ben, what what comes to what mind? Do you think? Well, I think I understand the day of the Lord is always a sense of judgment. It's always Christ coming. So, I, I think it is a picture of the end when Jesus comes to bring restoration to the earth and to judge um, the earth. So, I do think. At that moment, you know, it says even the dead in Christ will rise, you know. Mm -hmm. So I do think all those people who have seen, all those who have lived with Jesus, received it, will rise. But that those who also were there and who crucified him and who shouted those things, they're going to see him come in glory. Mm -hmm. The one that they crucified and hung on a tree, they're also going to get to see who Jesus really was. And they, you know, they got to see him as the Lamb of God hanging on the cross, but they will get to see him as the King who is coming righteously. Yeah, yeah, there is a clear, no one's gonna miss it. Right. Right, everyone's gonna see those who have already gone before and and past, those who are still alive, um, even to the extent that those who were involved in crucifying him right will will be made um will be made aware and i I even wonder uh you know the book of revelation it's uh, it's apocalyptic literature right so that's a particular genre of scripture a lot of times we want to say oh it's just prophecy telling of you know future events and that's for sure a component of apocalyptic literature but it always had a like a present implication um like even prophet you know, prophets in the Old Testament, there was this this idea that, uh, yeah, they're telling of future events, but there was always a present occurrence or a present situation, um, a call back to the way that they were, you know, to live in a certain place. Revelation, Jewish, you know, it models some Jewish apocalyptic mm-hmm. literature from the Old Testament, um, but even from like sections of Matthew um, as well, Matthew 24, Matthew 25. 
And I do wonder if, you know, John, as he's writing this, has some of that in mind, too, because John, you know, he's not Paul, right? He had more Jewish audience. And so, like, there is this, I think, a return for him of, like, he is hopeful that those, um, his contemporaries, his brothers and sisters and his Jewish faith, right, would come to a, a, a true awareness of who Jesus is and what he's done. I mean, it's evangelistic in a way where it's, um, hey, this this is going to happen. This is this is something to look to in the future. Do you want to be a part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Don is is correct. You know, apocalyptic literature often has multitudes of layers of meanings. Sure. You know, which is the the beauty of it. And so, yes, yeah, certainly there. You know, the Jewish people that you know. Peter, you know, kind of gives it to them that Jesus, you crucified, you know, in in Acts and his uh, message. So, you you know, there were people who (coughs) are guilty of doing that. At the same time, we all crucified him. We're guilty. Mm -hmm. We are all guilty. If if we didn't sin, he wouldn't need to. It was because Mm -hmm. of our sin Mm -hmm. that that he went on the cross. What's Isaiah, right? He's pierced for our our transgressions. transgressions. So we didn't nail him there, and we didn't curse him, and that you know there is blame on there. But but I think in in another sub layer, mm-hmm. we'll all see. Oh, yes, this is the one who died for me. I think yeah. what what a moment that will be to see him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's easier to sometimes see him as the Lamb of God on the cross than mm-hmm. to see him as the coming. Yeah, righteous Victor, king. righteous King. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, he asked for the implication of that. You know, as one we should be humbled, right? That we are in relationship with (laughs) with him. Uh, But also, you know, as Jesus, especially, you know, towards the end of Matthew, we should live with an expectancy and an urgency. And uh, we're part of this story. And the story ends with this day of judgment. But the ending of that story is really the beginning of the next Mm -hmm. where Jesus is going to do away with all everything Mm -hmm. broken. Um, He is going to fix everything, put everything new. And in the meantime, we're called to be his faithful witness, to live in a way that's confident that he is going to return. He's going to do the thing that he says he's going to do um, as we await that that day. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for that. Excited for the Ask the Pastor segment. There you go. Um, So again, if you have any questions, please email them to podcast at calvary.church. Thanks for listening to this week's uh, Deep Dive. You can find this Deep Dive and more resources on our website, calvary.church slash Galatians. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week as we step into Galatians chapter six. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Deep Dive a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.